Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to the Old Testament. I want to begin reading this morning out of 1 Samuel chapter 18. This is where we'll take our text today. And as we do, and you're turning there, I want to give honor today to ministers, pastors, Keith and Angela Dorsey, and tell you we're glad to have you all the way from Kentucky. Did I say it right? Did I say it right? <laughs> Love this, a wonderful family, ministers of the gospel, friends, uh, dearer friends of Wayne and Lisa Hubbard, our outreach pastors. And I'm on, I get the privilege of knowing you through uh, the covenant relationships that we have together. And it's important to be connected. Amen. We're honored that you're with us this weekend. I want to read out of 1 Samuel chapter 18 uh, what the Lord had been speaking to my heart. And last week while we was in Dallas, Texas, and we heard the minister speak, there was so much preaching going on and so many messages. I, I mean, all you had to do, it was hard. I, I just kept taking notes after notes after notes because I was getting message after message after message on top of the arsenal that I already have in the storehouse. Uh, but you never know what God wants to speak. But this, I believe, is the timing and the season to release this word. And it was in my heart. And in fact, um, I got up early Saturday morning uh, for prayer and heard the Lord uh, verify this word in my heart. So if you have your Bible... In 1 Samuel chapter 18, and we'll stand one more time and stretch your legs if you're able to stand. And we're going to read verse 1 through 4 together, a familiar passage out of 1 Samuel chapter 18. And the Bible says that after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them. For Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. If you are comfortable in outlining that part in your Bible, then underscore this verse 2, that Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Join me in prayer. Father, as we expound upon the word, do a work in us so you can do a work through us. Don't change just my neighbor, change me. Change my heart, change my thoughts, change my comings and my goings. And Lord, as I give you honor today, let the word bring me life. In Jesus' name, say amen. amen. You may be seated in the house. This morning, my assignment is to present to every listener what I feel like God has called me to do is give you a message of exposure where God discloses something to you 
so that he might expose something to you. Often God has to disclose it to expose it. And so if I could title the message this morning, it would be this. Tailored for him, fit for me. Say that out loud. Tailored for him, fit for me. Our text is really about being on the threshold. Because at the point of this text, David is now in the house of King Saul. Up to this experience, David has already killed Goliath. He has that under his belt. He has killed the lion. He has that under his belt. He has killed the bear. He has that under his belt. And some theologians kind of depict that around the time of this writing, that David is somewhere around 22 years of age, by the time he has moved in to the king's palace and is taking up residence there. So in the sequence of time, notice that God allowed the giant only after he killed the lion and the bear. What I mean is that you ought to thank God for the giants he held back. Until you grew up. You ought to thank God for the giants he held back. Mercy. Till you learn how to overcome a lion. And you learn how to overcome the bear. Can I talk to somebody? Thank God for not exposing you to a giant level of troubles. When you only had a 15 year old experience. Thank God he did not let you grow up too soon. But he let you grow up to earn the right to fight for the next level. You see, they say that too much is given, much is required. I agree. I think you can give people some things too soon. And that's what Paul was saying when he was even talking about the office of a deacon or an elder. When he said that let a man prove his work because you can give somebody something too soon and they get full of pride and then they fall into the same temptation that the devil had. So thank God today that he gives us experiences based on where we are. Some of us may be at a giant level or a bear level or a lion level. But you ought to thank God today he didn't let you grow up too soon until you were ready to face the level you were on course for. So by the time we come into our text, in this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 18, it is precisely his ability to fight that has captured the attention of the king. Saul sees that David is a fighter. David is a warrior. David's not afraid to pull out his trusty slingshot. He's not afraid to scrap. (laughs) He's not afraid to fight. And so over all the king's soldiers that Saul could have chosen, David 
has captured the attention of King Saul. And I just believe that Saul was saying in his selection of him that this boy is special. There's something different about this guy. This guy has something on him that I recognize. And, and you know, you can recognize the anointing on someone's life even when you aren't anointed. You can recognize the favor on someone's life even when you have gone out of favor. But of all the king's soldiers, David captured the attention of King Saul. And David is now standing at the threshold. David is now standing at the threshold, the verge, the brink, the beginning, the onset, the inception. He is just about ready to cross over the threshold through a door. He is now in a different posture and now in a different position. Could it be that God brought you this morning to Bethel Family Worship Center because you too are on the verge. You are on the brink. You are on the beginning, the onset and the inception for something God is about to expose to you. If God will disclose it, it's so he can expose it. He's got to disclose it to you so you can be exposed to something that you have never seen. I hear my Bible say that I have not seen and ear have not heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. May I tell you this morning that this is a place of excitement. This is a place of uncertainty certainty at all the same time I don't know what God's going to do but I'm excited about what God's going to do may I tell you this morning that a threshold has the connotation that you're stepping into something you're stepping from something into something it is a place of passage it is a place of crossing over it is a place where the old meets the new a place you haven't been before. It's a juncture where you're about to collide with your future. I feel like preaching to somebody this morning. You're at a place where God said I had to disclose it to you so I could expose it to you. I wanted to get you to a place where you would cross the threshold that yesterday would be behind you and tomorrow would be before you. Who am I preaching to today that needs to remember all things have passed away and behold all things have become new. I'm stepping into something. I'm stepping into my anointing. I'm stepping into my calling. I'm stepping into my ministry. I'm stepping into my future. And the devil is a lie. Come on, praise God for what he brought you through. And this is where David is. And the Bible says that David is standing there. In the presence of the king, King Saul. Saul has brought him into his house, but I want you to understand this. David isn't standing there by himself. David is standing on the shoulders 
of those who have gone before him. His grandparents, his great-great-grandparents, his great-great-grandmother Naomi, the one who left Moab and went back to the house of bread, Bethlehem. Naomi's standing there. Ruth is standing there. Boaz is standing there. Obed is standing there. Jesse is standing there. You got to remember that everybody who came before you helped you make who you are today. You're standing on the shoulder of somebody who believed in you. Their choices and their decisions created you in the first place. And when you cross over, everything behind you crosses over with you. My God, everybody who ever helped you, whoever prayed for you, whoever pushed you out, whoever helped you with your homework, whoever trained you, everybody is about to cross over with you when you cross over the threshold. And David is standing there. And the reason I bring up Naomi and the reason I bring up Boaz and Ruth and Obed and Jesse is not because David was nobody, but because David is not even of the house of Benjamin. I want to preach here a little while. He is from the he is not from the tribe of Benjamin. And for all of you theologians and Bible scholars today who understand that up until then the kings were to come out from the first king his tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. That's who God first selected. David don't come from the tribe of Benjamin. David comes from the tribe of Judah. That means he wasn't even in line. He wasn't next. He wasn't the one that had the crown entitled to him. He wasn't even eligible. Somebody else should have received it. It was supposed to be the tribe of Benjamin. Oh, you know Benjamin, son of my strength. Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. It was supposed to be from Saul and his children and his children's children. It would have went from Saul and probably on to Jonathan and on down the line just like that and here comes this outsider from the wrong side of town from the wrong tribe from the wrong tracks who does not have the background who does not look like he's in line for a promotion but this is the moment where God does the switcheroo and puts him in line for a crossover for the threshold I prophesy to somebody they wrote you out but he wrote you in they tried to kill you but he said I come that you might have life and have it abundantly I need 10 people to shout yeah the devil is alive everything begins to switch at this moment and if David chooses not to cross the threshold Jesus can't come because Jesus comes out of the tribe of Judah. And the only reason, whew, thank you, Holy Ghost, that Jesus has a right to be king is because David's threshold caused a transition and puts Jesus in succession to become the king. That's why they refer to him as the son of David. 
Because when David crossed over, Jesus crossed over. Are you hearing me? He's stepping into the lineage to take over as the king of Israel. David has been bestowed great responsibility. Great responsibility is upon him. You know hell didn't want him to cross over. Demons trembled about the very fact that he would cross over. And you know that Satan was upset about him crossing over into his future. Do you have any idea how when you come into a struggle and an unprecedented struggle, a huge fight, a Goliath, a lion, or a bear, it's because, and I want you to write this down, more is at stake than just you. You got a lot of people that are dependent on your obedience. You got a lot of people who are watching you to see if you have what it takes. There is more at stake than just you and you getting your needs met. There's something coming down the line that is so important to your generational seed line. It's not just that the devil's trying to stop you. He's trying to stop everything coming behind you. He don't want your children to rise up. He don't want the anointing to rest upon them. He doesn't want them filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. He doesn't want them to answer the call of God that is upon their life. Quit making it about you when it's about everybody who's coming behind you. Now I know that all of us will not be kings but all of us will be something and those decisions and those choices have a lot to do with how your story ends. And God will promote you even if you are not from the right tribe. Even when you weren't born in the right family. Even when they said you were the wrong color. Even if you didn't come up on the right side of the tracks. When it's your time, God will push you to the threshold. When it's your time, God will push you through the door. When it's your time, he will make the transition so easy that all you got to do is tiptoe across it because it's for you. But I come to declare to somebody, it is your choice to cross over. It's your choice to cross over. I'm preaching to somebody today. You've been locked up in the addictions of your past and your ancestral sins have haunted you. But it's not about the, the you now. It's about the people coming behind you. You need to tell the devil, you can't have my children. You can't have my family. It's not about me, but at the same time, it's about me making a choice to cross over. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I wonder, has anybody got your mind made up today? Anybody say yeah? Tell somebody you have to cross over. You got to cross over. It took a whole lot of stuff to get you where you are today. But I just feel like prophesying to somebody, it's your time. It's your time. 
No devil. No witch. No warlock. No hex. No curse. No disease. No affliction. No attack. No divorce. No crisis, no dispute can stop you when it's your time. When you make up your mind, I'm crossing over the threshold. There is something about the threshold. Say threshold. There's something about the threshold. Your spirit knows it. Your belly knows it. You know it when you lay down. You know it when you rise up, there's a stirring taking place. And I want you to consider this, that David had crossed the threshold. In other words, the door shut behind him. Saul closed the door behind him. Look at verse 2. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and would not let him return home. He made a choice to cross the threshold. And when he did, Saul shut the door behind him. This is what I know about God. That God was the one who closed the door. (laughs) A door just shut. Let me preach here. God closed the door. May I also say that in my prayer time, I heard the Lord say that a door was just shut for the nation. I heard the Lord say in this nation, a door has been shut. And not just this nation, but God revealed to me that a door has been shut around the world. There will be no more business as usual. There will be no more coming in late, leaving early. (laughs) Something has shifted and every one of us are trying to adjust to it post-pandemic. Oh, listen, I believe we'll get up and running again, but I also believe it won't ever be like it was before God shut the door. The church, oh, let me preach in here. Is there any sanctified believers here? Is there anybody believe that this gospel is still the only way? If there, I mean, raise your hand if you believe it. Don't keep your hand down. If you believe this gospel is the only way. Can I tell you today that as a church we will not cower to this wokeism spirit that is in the world because we are already woke. When Jesus came out of the grave we woke up. My God, we don't cower to the radicals of this world who know not the power of God or the power of the 
the Holy Ghost. We don't compromise the scripture to the homosexual or the transgender agenda. We don't compromise the scripture to the abortion mills that are murdering babies of every color. We don't surrender to the belief that everyone is a racist and we need to be less white, less brown, less black, less yellow, or less red. Don't you dare drink that Kool-Aid and my say, don't even drink the Coca-Cola. Tell your neighbor, be all you are. Be all white, be all brown, be all black, be all yellow, be all red. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. God closed the door and we are stepping across the threshold. Take a moment to praise God right there. Hey! As your pastor, I'm telling you the devil is a lie. His time is short and the church is rising up in the face of wickedness, in the face of wokeism and declaring there is only one way. His name is Jesus, not a white Jesus, not a brown Jesus, not a black Jesus, not a red Jesus, not a yellow, but a Jesus. Somebody say his name. High five, high five two people before you're seated and say, Jesus is the way. I don't have to add a color to him. He's all who he is. He is the I am that I am. He is the eternal glory. He is the bright and morning star. He is the sacredness of all we believe. He is the resurrection and the life. I wish I somebody to preach with me and say, yeah. Woo. Y'all wore me out. I'm already tired. Glory. Well, I came to that church this morning with God's people. In my notes, I begin to write down what I felt like God was speaking to me as a pastor. I don't know at all. I surely have never pastored during a pandemic. I never pastored in a time like this. I know this at the church, God told me this, that we are not to perpetuate man's agenda. I don't know who that's for, write it down. We are not to perpetuate man's agenda. We have a king, and he already rules the nations. And the Bible said that the governments of this world will rest upon his shoulders. I feel like preaching today because I want to expose the devil for his lies. And I knew somebody in this place needs to remember who you are. 
You are not of this world. Stop posting like this world. Stop jumping on everyone's bandwagon in this world. Stop believing everything the media, Hollywood, or Washington tells you to believe. Believe thus saith the word of the Lord. From cover unto cover, it is not diluted. It is still relevant, and it will save your soul from a burning fire. This is the gospel. I believe everything in it. It is infallible. Run and tell that, devil. Never have I seen a time like the time that we are in right now. But I come to serve notice on the devil in hell and to every compromised Christian. God is closing the door to this junk. God is closing the door to this junk. And the church will prevail. We will prevail. He has the final say. Not politics, not the media, but Jesus. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail. We got too many people who call themselves Christians that have wrapped themselves up in today's wokeism media and have joined. They can quote this and that, but cannot quote a scripture. Somebody ought to give God a shall not prevail praise. If you know that God's still building his church, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Some of you went quiet because I touched on a nerve. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Speak to me. I got to hurry. Saul would not let David go back to his family. The crazy thing is that David got in this fight for his family. And now God shuts the door where he can't go back. And I just shared with you that in this season, God is also shutting doors. <clears throat> we can't go back. It's unprecedented, but he shut the door. It makes us apprehensive. But he shut the door. I'm uncomfortable with what's happening, but he shut the door. I don't know what the protocol is going to be like, but he shut the door. I believe that the Holy Ghost is shutting doors of who you used to be. I believe the Holy Ghost is shutting doors of who you used to be. There's no need to cry about it. There's no need to worry about it. The door is shut. There's no need to text boo-boo and tell them the door is shut. You're stepping into a new dimension of faith, a new dimension of understanding, a new dimension dimension of the anointing God is transitioning your mind to believe for more no need to keep looking back no need to weep over yesterday no need to wish that things had been different you are walking into a brand new season and God shut the door behind you preaching that 
I feel this so strong this morning. Here's what I realized. David had bittersweet feelings of letting go of his past. Well, if I let it go, am I dishonoring my memory, my style, my swag? Where I don't smile in any pictures, I just give everybody the thug look. Smile. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't know if I want to let go of my feelings. David is now in the house with a bittersweet feeling of letting go of the past. However, the opportunity in front of him is so big that he realizes, for me and my house, I better walk through the door. And God now sets up an arranged table for David. But it's a table for one. He sets him a table in the presence of his enemies. But it's a table for one. He has to learn how to say goodbye to how he understood himself. <laughs> he had to learn to say goodbye to his culture. Woo, it's dangerous in here. I feel like grenades are... He had to learn how to set good, say goodbye to the way he understood his way of doing things because he has never understood himself how to be a king. Are you willing to say goodbye to how you understand you? You up here in the prayer line want everybody pour a gallon of oil on your head and you're not willing to forsake you. Because I don't hear you talking about your kids. I don't hear you talking about your spouse. You just talking about you and your opportunities and your gifts. That lets me know you ain't crossed the threshold. It's a table for one. Are you willing to say goodbye to how you understand yourself? He understood himself to be a shepherd. He understood himself to be a kid. He understood himself to be a little brother. He understood himself to be part of the family. He understood himself to be part of the system. He understood himself how to be part of the community. But now, he's in the palace. He's not dressed for this role. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know the protocol. His gift brought him into a place where his experience had not prepared him for the culture of this new environment. That's when he meets the prince of Israel. That's when Jonathan, the son of Saul, comes face to face 
with a shepherd boy. The shepherd boy comes face to face with the prince of Israel. And Jonathan is dressed like a prince. He is wearing the garments of a prince. He has his robe on. He's got his sword at his side. He's got his belt on. And they stand facing one another in Jonathan's house. Jonathan looks like he fits in, but David doesn't look like he fits in. And something strange happens. Something strange takes place. The prince he just met, the descendant of the king, the heir to the throne, the one who is in line for the promotion, the one who has been wearing something that has been tailored for him because there are no malls and Amazon.com in that day. And he looks at David and this strange love comes upon him. A strange love for this shepherd. And I say it's strange love because he didn't even know David. He wasn't, he didn't even know who David was. It was, in my opinion, it wasn't instinctive love. It was an overwhelming love. And all of the sudden the prince of Israel takes off his robe and he, I can hear the conversation where David says, you gonna give me your robe? Do you know that that robe identifies your royalty? That that robe identifies you in the court as a king's kid and you gonna take that robe off? And you're going to give it to little old me. But that's when that's Jonathan begins to strip himself. And I come to tell you that this is where your past will always meet your future. He takes off the robe and he gives it to David who is dressed like a peasant. And then he takes off his garments, his tunic. And he, he takes off everything he has on. And he lets David see who he really is underneath all of that garment and I've come to tell you you can never cut covenant with anybody who's not willing to show you who they really are up under all that tapestry you can't be in covenant with people who won't tell you who they really are If they're not willing to show you who they really are, you can go no further. Jonathan the prince takes off his tunic, his belt, the thing that holds everything up. And he gives it to David and he gives him his bow. And the symbolism of the bow is saying to David, if you ever get shot... It won't be from me. Mm, a lot of friendly fire in the kingdom. 
Isn't it amazing people who've got more skeletons you can shake a stick at are trying to call everybody else out? <laughs> Don't look too close around you because somebody might be feeling guilty right now and it might be you. I'm going to give you my bow because if you ever get shot, I want you to know I'm not the one that did it. I won't shoot you. I'm going to give you my sword to tell you that I am defenseless against you. You know all my secrets. You know who I am. And do you know what's amazing about this scripture? What was tailored for Jonathan fit David. Do you remember when David had earlier in his Goliath year tried to put on the armor of Saul and said, it don't fit me. They made it for Jonathan, but it fit David. And as we're standing in this transitional point before the stripping is over, the prince looks at the pauper and now the pauper looks like the prince because they have exchanged garments. I can't leave this alone this morning because I'm reminded of what Jesus did for us when he stripped himself. I was the one who was naked, but Jesus stripped himself that I might be clothed. He that was rich became poor so that I who was poor would become rich. He who was healed took my sickness that I might be made whole. He was who was holy took all my sins that I might now be eligible to wear the robe of righteousness. Jesus took the worst to give us the best. And this is the threshold where everything would change for us. We were condemned to die, but he gave us life. And I heard the Lord say to tell you this, you're next. You're next. Anytime in the Bible, whenever a priest would strip, they would give their priestly garment to their heir. I see it, and you see it in Scripture, when Aaron took off the priestly garment to give to his son, Eleazar. It meant... To the one receiving, you're next. God sent me on this Sunday morning, on the 27th of June, to tell somebody, you're next. He said, it may look like you don't have the clothes for it. It may look like you don't have the protocol for it. It may look like you don't have the pedigree for it. You might even not even know when to bow and don't even know when to stand. You don't even know which fork to use when they put you at the king's table. But God has exposed you to it.
it that you might become it. He is taking somebody somewhere. God has exposed you to it that you might become what is in front of you, not what's behind you, but what is in front of you. He's not after what's behind you. He wants you to become what is in front of you. That's why he shut the door so you would stop being influenced by what is behind you so that you could start being influenced by what is in front of you. That's why he shut the door and said, you can't visit them. That's why he said, you can't hang out with them no more. You can't run with them no more. You cannot go back. Before I take my seat today, I want to declare to you that everything in front of you is where God is about to take you. Everything in front of you is a, where God is about to take you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As they come this morning. How many of you are shoe people. How many have more shoes than you really need? My hand raised, both hands. I got two bags of shoes going to Goodwill this week. My wife said, surely you don't wear all them shoes. And surely she was right. I am a shoe connoisseur. I want you to look at the person's shoes that are next to you right now. And I mean, check them out. If you forgot to get a pedicure, you might want to slide your feet under. Slide back. Slide back. Poof, be gone. Your toes are too strong. You might have to pull it back. There's a fungus among us. Pull it back. Pull it back. Hammer toe, hammer toe. Pull it back. Crooked toe, crooked toe. (laughs) Several years ago, I, being the shoe connoisseur that I am, if I'm out and I see you, I have an app on my phone. (laughs) It's not a shoe app, but (laughs) if somebody's got a good one, text it to me. But... It's one of these fashion, men's fashion apps. I've got like 10 of them on my, on my phone. They show up on my timeline. Anybody know what I'm talking about? These like fashion things. You could just be talking about a new shirt and all of a sudden your whole timeline is full of shirts. I'm like the devil's listening. <laughs> but it's where I get some of my ideas for my clothing choices. And a lot of times... They'll show everything in one big combo. You got the shirt, you got the watch, you got the sunglasses, you got the blazer, you got the trousers, the socks, and the shoes. And and they'll be like, it'll have like 10 pictures, and you just slide through. And what they want you to do is to select the one you like the best. You know why? Because they're targeting you. They're going to send more to you. Look at somebody and say, you need that app. 
<laughs> Come on. You catching it now, aren't you? You need that app. I decided I'm not wearing dad jeans. That's what I said. I'm not wearing dad jeans. So I need a little help. So I, ooh, it's quiet in here. So I, I start going through that app and look and see what I can get. And a lot of times it's already in my wardrobe. I just had never thought to put it together. I mean, how many know that's the best blessing right there? You're like, woo, won't he do it? Won't he do it, Brother JR? Won't he do it? And I'm always after a good deal, right? And so um, I get my ideas from there, and I love the shoes. I go to a department store, if I go to Macy's or Penny's or Kohl's or wherever, uh, Amazon, I, I'm looking at the shoes. I'm like, I got to get these shoes, these shoes. I can't tell Beverly about it, but I need these shoes. <clears throat> I need these in my life. So I just want to give you a little background for what I'm about to tell you. Because I am guilty. I went to DSW over at Metropolis or uh, whatever you said. That's where I went. I went to DSW. And, and you know, if you don't have any socks on, they've got them little hosieries. <laughs> now, this wasn't on this occasion, but I always... I always wish I'd put that on my head and scare somebody, you know. In today's world, you better not try it. You better not try it. But I had gone into DSW, and I was wearing some shoes that were not my best, not my favorite. They were worn out. They were dirty. And they had already developed where the heel was carving away, where I walked weird. And all this, and they were cheap shoes. They weren't the most expensive shoes, but they had got me through. Have you ever had a pair of shoes that just got you through? You know, and, and, and they weren't the best. They weren't even the most comfortable. But, hey, I had to have a pair of shoes. And I went into DSW, and these shoes were so cheap that I was wearing. And I didn't give too much thought about it. But I asked myself, you know, what am I looking for today? And one of the things that I figured out in my shoe search is have you ever put on a better pair of shoes and didn't even know that you wanted it until you tried it on? Have you ever put on something better than what you had on and realized that you didn't know how long you'd been walking around with these ugly things, hurting your feet, squishing your toes, blistering up your heel? Have you ever had on something and didn't know how bad it was? until you put on something good. I didn't even realize how cheap my shoes were until I tried on the good shoe. I decided right then and there that I wasn't going to buy them and put them back in the box. I was going to buy them and wear them out of the store. So when I got up to the register and they took my shoe box and open it up. You know how they always looking uh, to see if it's if both sizes are the same. I'm like, yes, they're the same size. You think I'm gonna come in here and buy a size 10 and a size 12? 
she got all that done. I said, and cashed me out. I said, you got a pair of scissors? Yes, sir. I said, I'm going to wear these shoes out of here. She said, all right. She took out all the clippings and all the foam and all the paper and all that stuff. And I took off my nasty shoes. And I put them down in that new box. And I went walking out of that store in my new shoes. Where are my real people at? I went walking out the store with my new shoes on. I didn't even want to wear them old shoes anymore. Why? Because I had been exposed to something new. Come on, stand to your feet. I had been exposed to something better. And I want you to hear me today. David, hear me. He has been exposed to his future. He will never go back to being who he was. From this point forward, he would lead armies. From this point forward, he would subdue and conquer all the enemies of Israel. And I want you to understand, he knew what we're discovering because what was tailored for Jonathan fit him. He walked across the threshold, was exposed to a new environment, and God taught him what he needed to know. He shut the door, and God told me to tell some of you, you go to a locked door. God said, I shut it for a reason. Don't you ever go back. Don't you ever go back. David had to cross the threshold in his mind. And this is where the battle is fought and won. He had to fight the battle of his mind. He had a right to walk into the future because he allowed God to process him through the threshold. He went through all the processes which brought him to the threshold where God would expose him to more. And I just have to teach here for a moment to tell you, you do not have a right until you have gone through the process. You don't have a right to claim any threshold or any crossing over until you have had to walk through the mess and the process to elevate yourself to a place of eligibility to say I am now ready to wear these garments I am we're ready now to put on this title oh come on church I am now ready I have been through hell I have gone through the grave I had gone through the trouble I've gone through the sorrow I've spent the night through crying make my couch a better to swim in I cannot make myself a king someone else has to honor me there someone else has to put me in that position you can never crown yourself my God you cannot crown yourself you cannot just start your own church you have to have a spiritual father you have to have a covering you cannot discover yourself someone has to have a crazy kind of love a special favor over you to put you in a place you did not deserve and you did not earn You could kill giants, but you didn't earn the robe. You could kill lions and bears, but you didn't earn the tunic. 
You didn't earn the bow or the sword or the belt. Everything coming now is coming to you by way of grace. Whoever I'm talking to, you're getting ready to walk into a grace with your hand raised. It's not just going to be a grace. It's going to be a it's going to be a grace only. You're not going to have to, oh my God, not because of your degree, but because of grace. Not because of your background, but because of grace. Not because of your rich uncle, but because of grace. Not because someone died in your family and you were next in line. No, no, no. All because of grace. God said you're just going to walk in a grace. You're going to walk through the courts in a grace. You're going to move and do business in a grace. You're going to buy and sell with of grace. You're going to build and stand with the grace. You're going to raise your children with the grace. You're going to do what you do with a grace. You didn't crown yourself. You are grace. You are grace to walk through the door. Now lift your hands and begin to honor God today. Honor Him for what He has done in your life. Honor Him for how He's brought you through and brought you over. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 